Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The first ever NFL game at the new Spurs Stadium is in the books. We'll be looking back at a historic week five. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. The Raiders leave London with a win for the first time, while the elsewhere, the Patriots and 49ers remain the only unbeaten teams in the NFL. We'll be picking some of our highlights from last weekend. We'll also be giving out our weekly awards and hear your thoughts on who should win what. It's then on to week six matches as we prepare for the second NFL game at the new Spurs Stadium in London. We'll then give a quick update on our pick six competition as we've got a new leader at the top. And as ever, finish up with some of the latest news hitting the league. But let's kick it off by looking back at the Bears against the Raiders game in London. And I have to say, Cameron, first of all, when you approach the stadium... It is quite magnificent to see. Oh, it, it really is. And, you know, let's kick this off as well by saying that we're actually doing our first ever international, I guess, in a way, podcast because we're in different countries. I'm still <laughs> down here in London. You're back in Edinburgh. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm still recovering from the whole weekend. We're now, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, and I'm still processing it all. There was so much to see, so much to take in. And you're right. From the minute that you see the stadium with all the screens outside, all the graphics up, it's very, very impressive. It is. It's it's a typical uh, London borough to walk through, you know, with, with good and bad parts to it. And then there's this shiny new thing in the middle of it all, which is which is quite amazing. But it does capture your attention the second you see it. Uh, we did it slightly differently. You're on a season ticket. I did hospitality. Uh, the hospitality, I have to say, was pretty good, not without its uh, slight issues and faults, which I think will iron out. But compared to Wembley, you're basically in a little section yourself for the section that you're about to go into. It's an awful lot closer. Uh, simply, you know, you're within sort of 10, 15 feet of the door to nip down uh, to, to your seat. We were on the second row of the second tier, had an amazing view. But I suspect no matter where you were, you had an amazing view. Yeah, and it, I think that's the thing that struck me more than anything. From seeing some of the photos, even the people way up the back, the view looked absolutely magnificent. We were 10 rows from the front on the sideline, uh, same view as you would have seen on the television coverage. The The seats are a lot closer together than Wembley, but that's <coughs> typical of, think of football stadiums in the UK anyway. Wembley's a little bit of an exception to that, and I think if you go over to the States, you're slightly spoiled. They do give you a little bit more space. Um, but we, it was fine. There wasn't an issue getting in and out. You know, you obviously have to put people out their way a little bit as you go out to the bar repeatedly. But for the most part, you know, the view was brilliant. The, the, the setup was brilliant. I thought the number of outlets was superb as well. There was no issue at any point. Now, normally at Wembley, I go to Club Wembley, uh, part of the appeal for that is that there is, there's a lot more bars um, and certainly the bar to punter ratio was much, much better. I thought that actually the Spurs Stadium set up in such a way that you're really not having to wait a long time for a drink, for something to eat. You could see the guys working away in the background, preparing the food, getting ready. They're, you know, they're pouring the pints as soon as you're asking for it. This new bottom-up filling system that they've got seems to work quite well. There's not so much spillage or time-wasted topping up pints or anything like that. So I think it's it's geared up to be a success. Like you say, not without its issues. Took me about two hours to get a train after the game. Now, that's partly my own fault. I thought I had a good strategy about how I could get on the overground. My strategy was a shambles. Uh, <laughs> like Jay Gruden, I found myself out of a job when it comes to travel planning for the game next week. Um, and quite rightly so, because I really dropped the ball on that one. And 
that was partly to blame. We then came out of the overground queue back into the underground queue. I think there was a few people around us at that stage were getting quite um, quite annoyed. You know, we were definitely clearly missing the later game, the the Packers Cowboys game, and I think people were getting frustrated. It's quite a long walk to the underground. Then when you got there, it's quite a long queue to get onto a train. Of course, once you're on the train, you're laughing. Uh, it's not a problem. Um, but these are the things that you expect to be not quite right the first couple of times they do this. And, you know, we chatted about this. Compared to a usual Spurs game or something like that, I think you could probably expect 30 to 40% of your, uh, you know, your, your crowd to be fairly local and drive to the game, perhaps go off in a different direction. With the NFL game, it's such a heavy tourist footfall that, just about everybody's going back for public transport. And if the network connections aren't quite there, that's something that's going to be a little bit of a pain point. I think maybe there's not a lot they can do about the underground. You can't build another station. That's not an no, easy thing you, to do. You can't put more you can't put more trains on. I find that with the overground as well. They didn't to me you've got to put extra trains on. It's a no brainer. People are there to use it. Now as far as I'm aware it was a normal schedule. Uh, and you're trying to deal with thousands and thousands of people. So I think if the NFL is looking for feedback, I think they've got to go back to London and say, look, you have got to improve the public transport. You've been to games uh, in the States. I've been to, you know, sport in the States. You know, go to Yankee Stadium or you go to the Mets Stadium. You know, the tubes are literally queued up to ping you back into the city. So I think the city of London, who are, who are benefiting greatly from these games, uh, need to up their game slightly. Yes, um, but a few comments that we got here as well, and there, there's lots to love about the new stadium. Jennifer Hardy, she got in touch to say, uh, lots to love about the stadium. Uh, it's got a real North American feel to it, great noise and atmosphere. Uh, where they were sat, there was a number of issues that they had. Um, it wasn't as comfortable or as enjoyable as it should be. I've seen a couple of people comment as well about the uh, the, the, the seats are narrow. And again, I think that's you've been slightly spoiled by Wembley with that. I think that the Spurs stadium is very typical of a football stadium in the UK. I didn't feel like it was cramped in compared to any other game I've been to see football. I was at the Olympic Stadium the day before uh, to see West Ham Crystal Palace. And it you know, felt about the same amount of space there, to be honest. A lot of people calling out the fact that there was no uh, tailgate pre-game stuff. There's not really the space for that, I guess. I didn't particularly miss it. I thought there was enough going on. There was the shop. There was the food outlets. There was stuff going on there. Uh, and actually, there was a general good atmosphere of people just standing about on the street. Clearly, some people had been going into the local off-licenses, picking up some beers and having a drink on the street. Uh, that seemed all fine, to be perfectly honest. It was all quite pleasant. It was all well signposted. Once you got into the ground, there was loads to do. There's obviously loads of screens on showing Sky Sports News and things like that. So I didn't necessarily miss it. No, I mean, I, I was never one for the tailgate. I think they want people up there early. I think, you know, to have the spaces and the bars open. There's a little bit of space behind one of the stands where there was obviously some form of NFL event. I wonder if it was ticketed. I saw that uh, the day after when I was on the tour. But, you know, there, there's a local school that's got, um, you know, massive AstroTurf pitch and Blaze pitches as well. I'm not sure they couldn't actually hook something up in there. So I th think, you know, for, for game one, that's fine. I think they'll learn a lot this year from these two games and hopefully then go into improvement mode. From I did the tour on the Monday and the guy taking the tour for us, Coach Larry, as he was called, talked about, you know, the NFL are looking for feedback. They are looking for information. They want to make it the best possible fan experience. And I thought for a first go, it was pretty damn good. 
Yeah, I thought so too, and I think there's a lot to, to take forward from it. So what about the game itself then, Paul? The the Raiders coming away with the win, perhaps surprising a lot of people on that front. They deserved it, though. The Bears' defence just didn't show up on the day at all. I was very surprised with the Bears' D. I didn't think they were particularly strong. I thought the Raiders allowed them back in the game with a bad handoff between Carr and Jacobs in the backfield. And I thought that, that was the... The catalyst, you know, Chase Daniels had a great third quarter. I thought it was an egregious roughing the passer call. Um, and I went from not minding who won to actually wanting the, the Raiders to take the lead after that because I felt it was harsh on them. You know, they'd stopped the Bears. They were going to get the ball back and there was that horrible call. I have to say when the Bears were marching in the last two minutes, quite fancied them to kick a field goal. I would have taken overtime quite happily. Uh, but it wasn't to be like Chase Daniels doesn't quite have the poise and you could almost feel an interception coming and and that's how it was. But, I mean, it wasn't a great game. I mean, there weren't many spectacular breakout plays, a couple of good, you know, kick returns and things, but there weren't spectacular plays, but it was a close game, uh, an exciting game rather than one, you know, full of memorable moments. Yeah, and I think that's probably the, the right summary of this it was a contest rather than uh, a showcase of the NFL I think it was a tight contest between two teams the the Raiders actually moved the ball really well Josh Jacobs had a day uh, he was tremendous uh, on the other side of it Alan Robinson had a really good day but the the run game for the Bears was just disappointing once again it feels like that offensive line's a bit of an issue. They're not really creating the opportunities. Obviously, you've got Chase Daniels in there. He showed moments of really good stuff, and then moments where, you know, that rustiness, the fact he's not playing all the time, definitely shone through. You can see that, you know, he's a backup for a reason, uh, more than good enough to, to fill in for a couple of weeks, but not someone that you want when you need to march your team down the field at the end of the game. There's been a lot made thought about the Bears coming over later in the week, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the second game because it's a very similar sort of schedule for the two teams. But I I wonder how much of that came into play. The Bears have poo-pooed this, and I've seen people say, no, 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 this isn't a problem. This is fine. They should be able to cope with this. But having flown from Chicago back to Edinburgh when I was away for five days, it took me a solid week to get over jet lag. And, I mean, I was dizzy. I was tired. My body clock wasn't right. I can't see anything other than this having a big impact on the team. And that would definitely explain how sluggish they were. You know, so much chat about Khalil Mack coming into this against his old team. Point to prove to Gruden. He did not prove it. He did not prove it. I, I genuinely do not understand why teams don't come over early as they possibly can and get acclimatised. Now, I saw somebody saying, well, they don't want to spend an hour going to practice you don't have to spend an hour going to practice just book the right facility <laughs> and you're done so I mean that that's nonsense I would get over basically as quickly as you can I would leave the game wherever you are or on the night that you've played on the Sunday and just get straight over and get into it you feel better as time goes by and I just think that was a really bad call by the Bears and I'm not knocking the Bears I've said this for every team that's come over get your butt over early get acclimatised, and just get into it. Yeah, indeed. So what about the rest of the week then, Paul? Any games in particular that you want to pull out to discuss? Well, I think you've got to give credit to the Colts uh, for beating the Chiefs. I think that was an excellent result for them. Uh, I'm not sure we saw that one necessarily coming. I mean, interesting, Tony Dungy, when Andrew Luck retired, basically said, you know, don't sleep on this team. They're still a good team. And sure enough, they are. And I think that that's an interesting one. Um, 
I think the the other interesting storyline that comes out is, are you surprised that Washington lost to the Patriots? I'll answer that for you. No. Are you then surprised that they fire their coach after a loss to the Patriots? Surely they should have done that last week. Give the new coach a free hit at the Patriots before you actually go on to games that you might want to try and win. Well, they're now in this week's Baufin Bowl Part 3 because they're coming up against the Dolphins. So it's and they're, and they're having to go to Miami to play that one. So I totally agree with you. It, the call as well that it seemed like they called them into work at four or five in the morning to do it. And uh, do you know what we've? I've seen a lot of chat about this. It feels like the general uh, feel amongst the Redskins fans is that great that Gruden's gone, but he is not the only problem in that franchise, and they need to do an awful lot to be able to move forward and. You know, you just replace the man at the top, put someone in, he might bounce back a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it does feel like they, they are without direction at the moment. Not really sure what the Redskins are about, what are they trying to achieve. It's 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 That's a tough job to take on as well. I think they've been without direction for a long, long time. One of the best players doesn't want to play for them this year. Uh, I mean, it goes up to ownership. It goes up to Dan Snyder all the way up. Um, they're being outdrawn in their own home park. You know, there was more Patriots fans there, arguably, than Washington Redskins fans. This is becoming a common occurrence. You've only got to go back 20 years. You know, if you were a season ticket for the Washington Redskins, that was a coveted thing. Um, You know, now you're getting the jokes, you know, somebody broke into my car and left me two Washington Redskins tickets. You know, it's all this sort of stuff. Um, So, yeah, it's not not good from their point of view. A couple of other just quick highlights. I mean, the Texans-Falcons just an absolute blast at each other with 85 points. Packers beating the Cowboys, I thought was quite interesting. Aaron Rodgers, obviously they're relying on the running game there, still had to do that. Nice to see the Bucks saints was a close one. That was interesting. But I've got to mention your team, the 49ers, restricting the Browns to three points. It was quite the performance, uh, I'll be honest. I was taken aback by it. Um, I thought the Niners were brilliant on both sides of the ball. That opening play from Matt Breida to just burst through exactly what Nick Chubb had done the week before and what I feared we may face into against this Browns offense. And the Niners started that brilliantly. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to do an awful lot. Uh, Just over 180 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a very good passer rating. Baker Mayfield on the other side, absolutely horrible. Um, Just a really, really... Poor performance all round by the Browns. Their defence didn't show up. The offence was terrible. Nick Chubb had a couple of decent runs, but not an awful lot. The Niners' front seven really does look legitimately strong. The little caveat that comes with it is I'm still fearful a little bit that we've had an easy run in so far. And I think that we find ourselves in this position where we're 4-0 after five games. We've already had our bye week. How long can you maintain that level of performance? But... I mean, Nick Bosa, oh, he was absolutely unplayable. Um, he was superb. You know, it, it, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't stop him. He kept getting through. Baker was constantly under pressure. He did get away from it a couple of times, you know, used his feet. Uh, but a couple of times he just ran into his man, was taken down. A really impressive performance. And probably I would say the the best Niners performance I've seen in at least four years. The, after constant disappointment and just being utterly rubbish 
it's been really enjoyable to sit and watch a game like that. <laughs> and great to see Jamie Gillen out there absolutely hoofing it down the park as well. Do you know what? He did brilliantly. And I think he's the, I think the Browns fans were putting him up as MVP. A 71-yard punt. Uh, included in amongst all that, um, a number of them pinned down within the 20. That's exactly what you want to do as a punter. So it was actually the perfect scenario for me. I got to see the Niners win. I got to see Jamie Gillen play well. Uh, Pretty happy all round. I'm going to come back to something, though, and I usually rant about this when I've had a few drinks. Uh, I didn't do it this weekend, but how lucky are those Seattle Seahawks? How many times do you see Greg Zerline miss a field goal from that distance at the end of the game? Uh, normally that's the sort of thing that he just nails through the Rams go on and win but do you know what there's something there's some kind of I think voodoo's moved from New Orleans up to Seattle because they've got some kind of curse over traveling teams up there I couldn't believe it that was a thrilling game though and special mention he's not really had a lot of call outs in the Belter award Um, we'll come on to some of those and to be fair there's been some great performances this week but Russell Wilson is playing brilliantly absolutely brilliantly uh not a lot expected of them this year i think there was a lot of questions about what they're going to do on offense but russell wilson has taken that offense by the scruff of the neck and he is dragging them up the field week after week they have got to be confident going into this and suddenly this a uh, nfc west division's wide open i mean the good news for them is they don't have to play the saints every week so (laughs) to point that out um, but yeah, I mean, I was surprised. At, but therein, li- therein lies the thing. You know, it could have been four 0 San Francisco this week, going to four and one LA. It's not. It's four 0 going to three and two, and Seattle could have been three and two going to Cleveland. You know, it, it is fine margins, and they're very fine margins as far as that's concerned. But yeah, some cracking games. That there's no doubt about it. And and uh, we we got quite a few nominations for the good, the bad, and the ugly, effectively with our awards. Absolutely, go to those now. So Craigie's got in touch. His weekly belter was Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, or indeed the entire offense. Um, it's a very very good suggestion because they really were particularly impressive. The second person to get in touch with Patriots boys. He said simply, after this weekend's trip to London, he reckons that he's all three of the awards. So he's given himself the Belter, the Bobag, and the Bowford Award. I really want to find out what he got up to when he was down here to, <laughs> to justify him <laughs> winning all three. Uh, Denny Ford, he said his Belter of the Week was Aaron Rodgers. His Bowford Award goes to the Giants O-line. And Bobag of the Week is Baker Mayfield. Now, the Baker Mayfield-Richard uh, Sherman thing is weird. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I think Sherman's had a bit of a pop at him about not shaking his hand, but now there's sort of inconclusive video footage that shows that he might have shaken his hand, uh, and now Richard Sherman's kind of backtracked and gone, oh, this is a load of nonsense over nothing. Okay, Um, so I'm not entirely sure uh, what's going on there. But um, anyway, right, so Gareth from the Clear and Obvious podcast, um, he said his belter is Christian McCaffrey, and you can imagine there's going to be a bunch of that. Bowfin Award, Dak Prescott by his 40 million standards. And Bobag goes to Earl Thomas from, uh, for that hit, I think, uh, not particularly popular. Uh, Chris Breen, he also says McCaffrey or Watson. Uh, Bowfin Award goes to Baker Mayfield. And his Bobag goes to Taylor Luan. And I don't know if you've seen any of this one, Paul, but Taylor Luan deciding to, to take a run at some of the Bills players and the Bills fans absolutely turning on him. <laughs> And giving it straight back, straight back to him. Um, interesting to see. This is the thing about social media. You get all this content um, a little bit 
Uh, yeah, I don't know why you do stuff like that, but whatever. Graham Taylor, he got in touch to say it's Will Fuller or Christian McCaffrey for the Belter of the Week. The Bowfin Award goes to the Browns, and the ball bag goes to Kyrie Santos, who, of course, found himself out of a job this week after, to be honest, the ball bag, the Bowfin, more than anything else, I think. Jamie got in touch. Belter has to be Aaron Jones. Four touchdowns, that cheeky little wave as he went in at the corner. Uh, Bowfin goes to Mayer. Um, and Bobag goes to Jason Garrett for throwing his toys out of the pram. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed that one. Um, Polly got in touch uh, to say, firstly, how about those Niners, Cam? Thanks, Polly. That's a nice little mention. Uh, he's told me to keep backing against them. Uh, they're in the pick six again this week. Let's see if I continue with that. Belter for him is Jordan Phillips, Deshaun Watson, and Christian McCaffrey. I hope he's not saying that next week, though, as a big Buccaneers fan. Bowfin was the Falcons. And Bob Ag was Earl Thomas. A couple of nominations for them. Matt McLaughlin, he's also put in Aaron Jones. Uh, Bowfin is the Browns. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Belter. Uh, Mabinex has finally got to give my Patriots D some love. Um, more sacks and interceptions than points allowed through the first five games, apparently. That's quite a, a, a state, if so. Uh, Bob Ag for him is Adam Gase. Gives Darnold all the reps in practice, then starts Falk. He's clearly not head coach material. And you've got to be worried for Adam Gase already in New York. It really hasn't been particularly good. A couple more. Gillian uh, McLaughlin, uh, Belter, Saints are 4-1. and one. Bowfin are the Dirty Birds. I'll let you tell me who the Dirty Birds are, uh, Paul. I wouldn't know. Um, Bobag <laughs> is Jameis Winston for unsportsmanlike conduct and spitting the dummy with Cam Jordan. So, yes couple of really good nominations in there. And I think that, you know, for me, it's got to be Christian McCaffrey. I think that once again, McCaffrey has shown that he is everything that is in that Panthers offense. And again, it's another trope that I reel out every week. You stop Christian McCaffrey and you stop the Panthers. You let Christian McCaffrey run all over the top of you and you're going to lose to the Panthers. But to put himself on the line like he did in that first touchdown where he flips up over and lands on his back, absolutely tremendous. He is a thrilling player to watch, and he is right at that borderline of being, I think, one of those once-in-a-generation type players that you hear talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been tremendous. I mean, him and Aaron Jones certainly would be the, the two nominations for me. I think the Browns, for Bowfin, they just continue to disappoint. And Errol Thomas for the ball bag, you can't go around doing that. Let's not do that. Uh, I think he's a deserved ball bag winner. Yeah, no, totally. I think that the the other contenders, the Falcons possibly get away um, from the Bowfin Award just because they managed to put up 32 points. And actually, this was kind of, it was only a score and a bit away between the two of them until the very end when obviously the Texans stepped up and did what they needed to do. The Bengals have got to be in a sad state of affairs. They really blew that one big time. And again, I'm going to give a special mention to the Redskins that we talked about, but the Titans, really disappointing once again, the, the Tennessee Titans just not getting it done. That Buffalo defense really does look legitimately good. I think that they are one to watch, but Bifan has to be the Browns. They really they really stank. Uh, on offense, they were, they were really, really poor. This is, you know, we kind of thought, you know, the chat was back on the bandwagon, the Browns are going to go to the Super Bowl. But I don't think anybody's going to be calling that one now. So it'll be interesting to see how they recover from that one. I've seen a lot of fans already turning on Freddie Kitchens as well, which is interesting. So, yeah. right I, I still thought I, th- I thought he was the wrong appointment, I have to say. I would have left it with Greg Williams. I've said that before. So uh, we'll, see, we'll see where that leads us. 
So on to week six then, Paul. Well, um, let's go from a possible Super Bowl to the toilet bowl. Um, 0-5 Washington Redskins at 0-4 Miami. That That's just interesting because somebody's going to get off the mark, but we'll, we'll, we'll put that to the side. We, we don't have a great deal of time today, but I'll, I'll pick out a few games for you that I think will be interesting. I think San Francisco at LA, I'm still amazed that's not been picked up by you know, right across the country TV, but it's not. It's only a local market job. Great test for San Francisco. I think that sets up a fascinating game. LA are spluttering. Should have won last week, but spluttering all the same. I think New Orleans at Jacksonville is an interesting game. I think Seattle at Cleveland, simply because of the tails. Nobody's quite expected the Seahawks. They are 4-1. and one. In Cleveland, now the pressure comes on at home. I don't think they can afford to go 2-4, and four, not with their, their schedule ahead. However, I'm going to highlight one game as one that I think is really interesting. is Carolina at Tampa Bay. It's going to be in this country at the Spurs Stadium, 3-2 and two at 2-3. Two and three. And Kyle Allen is looking like the man for Carolina with McCaffrey. I think they've got a great chance. But Tampa played the Saints really well this week. So I think that's standing out as a really good game. It's one thing having the games in London. But you want good games in London. And I think this one, when it came out, people went, meh. Actually, it's set up to be not a bad game. Yeah, totally. And these two sides have already met. Funnily enough, the Buccaneers were able to stop McCaffrey in that last game. It'll be interesting to see, now that they've got a different quarterback, whether they set up the same, whether the Panthers have anything in their tool bag that they can pull out and do things a little bit differently against the Buccaneers. But these are both teams that can really impress on offense they're both teams that have a really good defense this year that can change the game as well at vital points I think this is set up to be a thriller and I agree with you I think at first I was like oh, okay fine you know interesting to see McCaffrey but this is now a really interesting game and actually is probably now I would say the best of the four on paper as we stand uh, unless something amazing happens with the Jags and the Texans uh, and it, that's suddenly close when it comes around, then this is this is the game to go to. So really looking forward to going back to the Spurs Stadium. I agree with you. I think this is probably game of the week. The one other one that um, you didn't call out that I think is going to be fascinating to see is the Texans at the Chiefs. I think that's fascinating to see how the Chiefs bounce back. But also the Texans can score a whole lot more points than the Colts can. And that Texans defense is good. So that, for me, will be fascinating to see how that one pans out. I think that could be a real thriller uh, and, and one to watch. But like you say, we don't have a lot of time uh, this week, so we'll run through the pick six. Before we do, I'm going to give a quick update on the scores. So uh, Jamie Borthwick had a week last week. He got five out of six right, which is really impressive. He is now top of the table with 18 points. You're in second place, Paul, with 17. Myself and Gordon are in tied third with 16 each. Then it's down to Charles, who actually managed to get some right this week. So well done, Charles, you know. Well, half a decent bounce back. He's on 13, and then Ian at the bottom with 12. But the games that we've picked out this week, uh, we'll quickly run through these. But first up, it's Panthers at the Bucks. I'm going to go with the Panthers. We'll talk next week uh, more about the Tottenham Stadium. We'll also talk about the stadium tour which was 40 quid to go on. We'll talk about that more next week uh, and dissect that a little bit. Uh, I'll just say that I'm I'm not quite convinced I think would would, would be the, the, the teaser for now, but I'm going to go with Carolina to win that. 
So I'm going to back them as well. I just Christian McCaffrey's playing too well. Uh, I know he's got a questionable against him, but that's just for cramps. He's definitely going to be playing. There's no two ways about it. I think that he is the X factor. I think that they'll have learnt from that first game and they'll be able to make uh, enough adjustments to be able to win this game. Uh, game two then is Eagles at Vikings. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think they're back. They've, you know, they're a strange team, but I think they're more competent at home. They're a fairly comfortable win against the Giants. The Eagles, I'm still not sure what you're going to get. There's some, you know, Ian's been pointing out some good defensive play that they've had. Just not sure they're clicking yet, so I'm going to go with the Vikings. So I'm actually going for the Eagles with this one. I think this is a real 50-50. I think the Eagles are coming to this confident on the back of that victory at the weekend. The defence looked really good. It was impressive. Okay, it wasn't against a very good team, but I think they'll carry that. For me, Kirk Cousins still isn't quite firing on all cylinders if the eagles can stop cook then i think they've got a very good chance on this one so i think they'll be geared up to do that i've got the eagles to take that one then it's Bowfin bowl part three as the redskins are at the dolphins uh, this i mean talk about a crap shoot i mean literally <laughs> uh, you know i i I'm going to go with Washington simply because I think there's a bit more talent on the roster and they are going to be shaken up for the week. Therefore, there's going to be a different energy in the building, you would suspect. There's a little bit more freedom about the place. So, yeah, I think this was a change that had to come. Uh, therefore, I'll back Washington to travel well. Yeah. Nil-nil draw for me. No. Um, <laughs> Redskins as well. I think that I agree with you. I think they've got more talent available to them. I think someone like Chris Thompson might have a, a good game in this one, receiving out the backfield. This is not a game I'll be desperate to tune into. I'll be interested to see the outcome. Uh, you never know. Josh Rosen might come out and start slinging it about. Might be a case of pride for this one. Um, but... Yeah, I think that the Redskins probably have enough. And like you say, I think it can be a real positive change under under a new head coach. Texans at Chiefs then? You know what? I mean, it's hard to back against a team that, that's just pinged up 50-plus uh, points. And, and there's a little word that Mahomes might be injured. I mean, if Mahomes is injured and goes out, I'm going with the Texans. But if Mahomes is playing, I don't see them losing at home twice on the bounce. So I'll take the Chiefs. Okay, I'm going to go for the Texans with this one. I think this will be a shooting match. I think this will be one that the the Texans will have learnt a lot from the Colts about how to try and restrict the Chiefs. I think that there's there there is injuries there. There's players maybe coming back but not quite fit. Uh, and I think that you're right. Even if Mahomes does play, he's clearly had a little bit of a knock, so that could come into play. I think that the Texans go there, beat them. I think there'll be a bunch of questions asked about the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs beyond that will be totally fine. But I do think Houston can go in and do that one. 49ers at Rams. Yeah. Who do I think will win or who do I want to win? You know, <laughs> they're two different questions. Um, you know, I'm, I'm well, because you've backed a couple of um, perhaps lesser. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the 49ers uh, simply because that, that's the way they've been winning and that leaves you open to take the Rams with a clear conscience. Which you know I'm doing. I'm 100%. I'm not changing this routine. This, this is uh, It's working a treat so far. Uh, but I do think even then, I do think if this was in San Francisco, I think I might have gone for the 49ers because it's in LA, because the Rams are still scoring points. Uh, and doing so pretty well. You know, Jared Goff's still slinging that ball around, and I still think there's a lot of questions about the secondary. I think the Cooper Cup, uh, I think the Cooks and Woods will be a threat to them. I think that the Niners will do a decent job of restricting the run, but I'm not so sure about over the top, and the Rams can do a lot of damage through that route. So I have the Rams to win this, um, and I'm sticking to my routine. 
The last game then, uh, before we wrap up, is Titans at Broncos. Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos. I mean, I've lost faith in the Titans. This is where the Titans will probably come back and win win one. I don't think the Broncos are as bad as their record suggests. They obviously had a good win last week. The Titans, I really like the Titans, but they're, they're way too up and down for me. So, uh, Denver. Denver. Um, yeah, do you know, I, I agree. I think that there's more talent on the Broncos. I think that it has been a really disappointing year for them, but they showed a lot of character to beat the Chargers at the weekend, uh, and they did it pretty well. There's going to be questions on defence, but I think this is a game they can get away with their defence not playing all that particularly great. They need to stop Derek Henry. They need to stop some of the Mariota stuff over the top, but really, he isn't. it just isn't that much of a threat. Uh, and I think that the Broncos' backfield committee between Freeman and Lindsay is strong enough. You've got Cortland Sutton, who seems to be breaking out Emmanuel Sanders as a threat once again. There's enough there in Denver for them to to surely bounce on and, and win this. And actually, this could two wins in a row could really turn around the Broncos' season for them, to be perfectly honest. So I, I have Denver on that one as well. So yeah, right. Well, that completes um, the pick six section. Just before we wrap up then, Paul, because it is a slightly shortened version as we're both, uh, we're not together for this one, but any other news items that you want to bring up before we move on? I just think it's interesting what we're starting to see now is rumours of, of trades. Um, you know, teams that season may be in the tank, uh, may be looking to move people on. And I think that's something that, you know, we'll, we'll look at more in detail next week. But start looking to see if there's any teams that have underperformed might just start to get a wee nibble around the edges of teams like San Francisco, who've got something going, like the Bills, who have got something going. It may be time for these teams to throw a few draft picks to get a missing piece somewhere. So I think that's going to be a really interesting narrative in the week to come. Yeah, it's um, interesting to see that the Raiders went and traded for Zay Jones, giving up a 2021 pick. So that's one down the line. I'm not sure that he's necessarily going to be a, a key player for the Raiders, just perhaps another option for them there in Oakland. I think you're right, as the trade deadline starts to come around, people start looking at that, this is the time to to be making your moves, uh, and it will be fascinating. I think that it will be interesting to see what the feedback is from week two uh, of the London games here. Uh, you know, can any improvements be made? Will the feedback be better? What will the atmosphere be like? I thought it was it was a Bears crowd. So I'm intrigued to see what sort of crowd. I don't think there is as substantial a Panthers or Buccaneers fan base here in the UK. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But yeah, time will tell. I'm certainly looking forward to going along anyway. So that concludes everything then for episode 69. Keep your feedback coming though and make sure that you follow us on Twitter at ScotlandNFL and on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Please keep sharing the podcast with your NFL friends. Give us a review on iTunes if you can. And keep interacting on Twitter and Facebook. Enjoy your trip to London if you're coming down for the game this week. Make sure that you check out the comments and suggestions of those who were there last week to maximise your experience. We've also got another giveaway this week ahead of the Panthers-Bucks game, so look out for that. Look out for camera if you're heading down to London. If not, we'll speak next week as we'll digest all the highlights from week six. But until then, bye for now. 